Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's our weekly Gentleman's Hour today. If you have a question or a comment, would love to take it. Talking about important issues impacting men and challenging men, uh, especially today on some of our topics. My guest will be Jim O'Day. He's the Executive Director of Integrity Restored, and he is awesome. If you have a question, uh, anything crossing over business, masculinity, or Catholic faith, uh, he's a man. Integrity Restored uh, works specifically with the issue of uh, sexual addiction in our culture and pornography. We're going to talk about a couple interesting topics. Uh, Recent stats came out addressing the fact that one in five girls, one in five teenagers say that they've experienced some form of of sexual assault, sexual abuse, and sexual violence in the last year. So we're going to talk about a man's role in talking to women and girls about preventing uh, sexual violence, sexual abuse, as well as healing from it. We're also going to take on a very uh, spicy topic, so a little ears warning as we move forward a little later on in the show. Um, we'll talk about why straight men start looking at gay porn. It's a very, very common thing that occurs. And maybe you're wondering, why is this happening? Maybe you or someone you know is doing it and you're going, am I gay? Are they gay? What's happening? So we'll talk about what's happening, uh, the behavior of addiction, the role of dopamine, and why you or someone you know might have found themselves suddenly looking at gay porn when that's not something they were into before. Also, comedian Chris Rock has made some comments about abortion that's stirring a lot of conversation. It's interesting. A lot of people are talking about the fact that he referred to abortion as hiring a hitman, but there are a lot more insightful things that Chris Rock said that I think are fascinating uh, that we can use for conversation pieces with those people who maybe you've been wanting to bring up the topic of abortion. You know you disagree, but you'd like to have a conversation. I will tell you how to do that a little later on today on Trending. Welcome to our weekly Gentlemen's Hour. If you have a question, the number is one 888-914-9149. Joining me now is Executive Director Jim O'Day from Integrity Restored. Jim, I was astounded a couple weeks ago when I received some data reports just come, having come out, uh, having reported that teenage girls have reported having at least one type of sexual assault um, encounter within the last year. One in five teenage girls. I mean, these are girls that we know, girls that we love. And it really made me think about the fact that that means, one, there are girls, a lot of girls out there with wounds from sexual violence. And two, that we need to talk to our girls about how to prevent them. And what better place than to turn to the men in our lives to start having those conversations uh, with women today. Hey, Timory, it is great to be on again. I always look forward to this. Here's a... I wish I could say I was surprised by that statistic, but I'm not. 
And, and I honestly think it may even be higher. Um, many girls, even a, a good percentage of that one in five, uh, may have reported that on the, on the survey, but probably never told anyone else about that. Mm-hmm. And our young men today are in such a, a pornified state 24 hours a day. And the porn that they're watching is increasingly violent, increasingly aggressive. Um, there's incredible statistics out there. Uh, you know, even in what people consider regular porn, uh, the amount of abuse, name calling, choking, face slapping. And this is what these boys are watching all the time. So it becomes normalized to them, that type of aggressive sexual behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is nobody talks about it. And for the parents listening, this is going to be a tough conversation for you because this conversation, just like the so-called birds and the bees talk, which when I was growing up was kind of a one and done conversation with a parent, if you were lucky, Mm -hmm. it can't be that anymore. This has to be a, a continuing, ongoing, open dialogue between you and your child. And it has to start way younger than you think. Mm. Our daughters, our little girls have to know that they have body autonomy from a very young age and that nobody should touch them anywhere they wear a bathing suit. And, and moms and dads, this doesn't have to be a sexual conversation. Just that. Hey, you know your body is yours and God made it and it's beautiful and it's holy and it's wonderful. And you know, bad things can sometimes happen. And I want you to know you can always come to me. You can always tell me. Mm-hmm. But nobody should ever touch you in an area that should be covered by a bathing suit or show you pictures or movies of people exposing areas that should be covered by a bathing suit. And you know what? Our kids are okay with that. Mm-hmm. They're not freaked out by that. Oh, okay, mom and dad. Just like don't get into a car with a stranger, right? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple way to put it without having to communicate, depending on the age, uh, more than necessary, right? And I think that's what's needed because I know today, you know, it, it's important that kids, young kids are able to identify body parts. That way, in the event there is ever abuse that occurs or attempted abuse, just by a child being able to name that body part, uh, that can startle uh, an abuser um, from continuing or trying something because the child is able to vocalize that body part and therefore would be able to vocalize what was done versus a lot of people assume they can't vocalize that. And and it even leads to and helps and assists law enforcement in the prosecution. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know one story where a young girl uh, came forward to her parents. They didn't understand what she was saying. Um, she was telling them that a family member kept wanting to kiss her cookies and they called her private parts her cookies the parents initially thought it was real cookies oreo cookies whatever Mm -hmm. and when they finally realized what was going on they got the authorities involved law enforcement got involved and unfortunately they had a very very difficult time with the case uh, because the child did not know the proper names 
for the parts of her body. And so um, the defense really tore her apart. Unfortunately, she was only seven years old uh, on the stand. And so parents should tell the anatomical proper names to their children. There's for nothing their wrong or parts. dirty about them. And no. I think that we've lived in a culture where we avoid the, that talk, right? Um, we avoid talking about those body parts. And, you know, it, it's funny, even just, you know, the people who are and aren't okay with it, but it's just like an arm, an elbow. Like, we make it awkward when we make it something funny or silly or stupid, but it doesn't have to be. Now, even just, you know, when I'm bathing my child, I'm naming body parts as I'm bathing her, and I just name it with one of the many others that are there. And, you know, again, all age appropriate conversation, you know, that you have as you grow with that. You know, I think there's a lot of really great information encouraging this. And what you just said with that story of not being able to prosecute an abuser because a child was referring to a very silly nickname for a body part. And that should be a wake up call uh, for us. Let's talk a little bit more about this. So the CDC reported two weeks ago that one in five girls have reported experiencing sexual violence in the last year. Um, what does this mean in terms of prevention? We talked about, you know, you said making sure girls know that no one should touch them or show them pictures or movies um, that cover areas that should otherwise be covered um, by a bathing suit. Uh, you mentioned, you know, knowing proper anatomical names what about like physical safety and awareness as well? Well, and here's where we have to, um, I, I say it to parents all the time. We have to leave our own broken sexual narrative at the door. And we have to have these ongoing age appropriate conversations with our kids. And as our, as our little girls get older, they are going to be in situations that they need to know they are absolutely 100% in the right to defend themselves, to protect themselves, to get out of situations that make them uncomfortable. God gave us this incredible instinct, right? It's that old saying, when the hair on the back of your neck stands up, you know something's wrong. Our daughters know that, but they also don't often have the permission they don't feel they have the permission to leave a situation like that. They don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. You see, young girls, teenage girls in particular, are very sensitive to that, to somebody's feelings. And, and so often that leads them getting put in situations um, where sexual assault is common and possible. I would tell every parent, Timory, you know this about me. Your husband knows it about me. I'm a lifelong martial artist. I believe in it. I love it. I think it's important. Every kid should have at least the basics in, in how to defend themselves. Uh, my daughter, this is a personal story, uh, when she was 13 years old, was hanging out around the corner from our house with one of the other kids in the neighborhood, a boy. And um, they were sitting on a porch swing. And... He put his arm around her and tried to kiss her. And she told him no. And he tried it again. She told him no. And the next thing you know, that boy was off the porch on his back. <laughs> and she said, Dad, you told me. I said, you're absolutely right. No problem. If his father calls, I'm okay with that. I'll have a conversation with the father and the boy. She protected herself. She told him no twice. The third time now, that's enough. 
And <laughs> good for her. But thank God, you know, she grew up with a dad who taught her that stuff, mm -hmm. um, and was never afraid to tell her, "You are in charge. Nobody should touch you. Nobody should kiss you. That's you say yes or no." And and the one thing I did with Jessica from when she was very little, I never talked to her about um, good or bad touching which oftentimes in Christian circles, that's the terms we use. I always use the terms safe and unsafe. Good. Because I didn't want her to grow up with any um, bad feelings if she experienced or explored or, you know, with herself or anything else. Um, I wanted her to always be able to come and talk to me about it. So using the words safe and unsafe didn't give her any guilt about a situation where she shouldn't have been guilty to begin with. That's a really, really, I think, a good thing to note because I think that's where a lot of people don't speak up is they feel, fear their culpability, their guilt. You know, conscience kicks in, but even when your conscience is kicking in, you still need to be able to advocate for your own safety. And so the, using those Amen. words safe versus unsafe are so helpful, I think, for women and young boys uh, to hear. It's interesting. My producer, Jim, was just saying he told uh, his son very early what the names of body parts for both boys and girls were so that he mm -hmm. would know. And then he told him, you know, just don't talk about it on the playground. She said, in Jim said, you know, he's probably six or seven. And oh, I think that's simple. You know, these simple conversations. And Jim even said it'll probably make it easier when the time comes to have talk about sex because it's not like these body parts are unfamiliar. They've been a part of his life. I, God bless Jim. Good for you, brother. That's exactly what we all need to be doing. But that involves leaving our own sexual brokenness at the door. Any of our own guilt or shame around anything sexual. Look, our kids don't have that. They're sponges. They're pure. They're open. Teach them God's way. Teach them the right way. That's our job as parents. And as the child gets older, certainly with young girls, but also young boys, that body autonomy, it's their body. Not to be used and abused by anybody else. Here's the best thing we could teach our daughters. If you want to raise a daughter who's going to be safe, teach her this first and foremost. Role play it and practice it with her. And that is to stay alert and be aware at all times. Mm -hmm. Our teens today, and, and that goes for adults too, by the way. Um, human beings today are so distracted and so um, confused about what a friend relationship is. Yes. That our kids are putting themselves, and, and we as adults too, even crossing the street, with headphones in and your face down in your phone while you're walking. I mean, it's crazy to me. I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you, people are not aware of their surroundings. Right. And when I teach self-defense, whether it's to men, women, law enforcement, that's the first thing I teach and the thing I continually stress. It's not about the fighting technique. It's about never getting into that situation in the first place. Yeah. And that yeah. takes awareness. Mm -hmm. And I think that you touched on something I want to go back on that 
you didn't use these words, but my words, a lot of girls have the savior complex today um, where because they don't know what are healthy and safe and reasonable relationships in their midst of trying to save and help these boys they're in friendships or relationships with, um, there are a lot of things they allow to occur to themselves bodily harm, sexual harm, um, manipulation and abuse that had they known proper and healthy relationships, that never should have occurred. And the problem is, is that the culture makes like, oh, everyone, you know, kumbaya, everyone's friends, don't turn anyone away. Uh, there's actually something intrinsically wrong with that. <laughs> and we need to be able to distinguish friendship from, hey, this is someone who needs help. And I may or may not be the right person to help that person. And I certainly will not put myself in jeopardy to do so. Well, certainly if you're a teenager, you're not the right person to help that person. Or even a young woman, arguably. Or even a young, look, you know, people go to school, or, or, or like me, work for years in a field to be able to help somebody that's struggling with these types of issues. Mm -hmm. You can certainly be empathetic. You can be, you can be caring. Um, but it's not your job. And so often today, particularly with social media, our kids take it on themselves as the role of counselor for this person. Yes. And, and they may, and, and they may not even know that person mm -hmm. as a friend. Or the person could be lying. Well, how often does that happen? Yes. It's a very common trick, mm -hmm. um, for, for groomers and predators to use that. Or My you just get attention so to just yeah. get attention. And the next, you know, the person's abusing them. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> Oh, we could do a three-hour special. We should do a three-hour special on this. It's an important topic. I do want to drill down a little bit. We're going to talk about healing resources because the CDC reporting that one in five girls have reported some form of sexual violence in the last year. That is astounding, and we need to do something about it. We're talking about it during our weekly Gentleman's Hour in particular because I'm really hoping men, you know, speak up to the girls, the women in your lives, young women, um, sisters, children. This is such an important topic that is often avoided. We'll talk about healing resources in a moment. Um, but one of the things my husband and I were just talking about, uh, we were talking about our young nieces and nephews that we have and, you know, important things in those relationships. And I was talking about the importance of healthy and safe hugs and how important it is huh. uh, that young girls are learning that from their fathers, but also how they can learn that from uncles. You know, what is appropriate, you know, rough and tumble play, not just with dad, but with an uncle as well, or a grandparent and the role men play in helping girls to test and find those boundaries. Well, and, and it is so important and it's something we don't do because we're uncomfortable with it because we sexualize it. But it doesn't have to be a sexual conversation with a kid. It can be just a pure personal safety conversation. Mm -hmm. And and I think uncles, uh, dads, older siblings, boys, you know, we have a responsibility in, in those young girls' lives um, to exhibit what an authentic man will behave like and, and touch like and hug like and actually tell them, tell them, this is what you should expect. Mm -hmm. If a man treats you any other way than this, you should never expect that. You should never accept that. And as you're doing that, as the kid grows up, as the girl grows up, that becomes her baseline for all her decision-making. 
So she's going to know right away when, when somebody's hugging her in a weird way, even if she's only eight or nine or 10 years old, she's going to say, wait, that didn't feel right. And because you've had that open door of communication, she's going to come to you and say, he didn't do anything wrong, but something was off. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to hear, mom and dad. Yep. The warnings. They should be comfortable being able to uh, notice those warnings and communicate when those red flags are there for them. But, uh, Timory, they're only going to communicate if this is an ongoing open conversation ongoing and open conversation i think that that's the key and that's the key you know when we talk about even you know conversations about sexuality and as we're discovering our bodies that these are conversations that we're having regularly so that it doesn't come to just one head of a talk but you know when a kid's five years old and experiencing things in his or her body we're starting to have those conversations then so it's not one big massive feat to, to accomplish exactly and that's impossible honestly Okay, so let's talk um, just a couple other safety things I want to throw throw in there. Bathroom safety. You know, girls should really know, don't go to the bathroom alone in isolating areas. Like, this This should be a go-to. People should know. This is why women go to bathrooms in groups, not just because they like to for fun, but it's safe in many situations, and especially isolating areas where a bathroom may be. I'm not going to get gas late at night by yourself or in an unsafe location or going to the bank, you know, as well. This is what I love about, you know, online checking in the apps. I really don't ever have to go to the bank anymore. Um, And if I did, I'd probably only do it, you know, in a really safe location during the day, or maybe just with making sure I'm with someone else. Um, Not going places at night that aren't necessary, but asking people to walk you to and from your car and waiting if there's a long time until someone can do that. Uh, I think those are really, really important things. I spent a lot of time alone and traveling in my 20s and you know I had a scary situation even just last year in a hotel room where I showed up at the end of the night I was just telling someone this the other day I I had gone up all the flights um in the hotel by myself and I, you know, go all the way to the, one of the doors with um, one of the other people I worked with. And I was like five doors away. And you know, I'm good. You know, I'm right here, just in the hallway. You know, someone would hear me. And I start to go into my room and none of the lights in the entire room would turn on. Mm. None of the lights would turn on. I made it about 10, 15 feet into my room. And all of a sudden I go, what the heck am I thinking? And I just go running out of the room. Weirdest thing. I don't know why any of the lights went on. I found some other people I knew when I kind of went running down the hall and we searched the whole room and nothing came of it. But that was a very stupid situation for me to dismiss or, you know, the person. I never should have walked in. I should have made sure someone saw me to the door and made sure that everything was okay in reality when I was traveling alone like that. And, and, and those are all great tips and, and kind of stuff we would think common sense. But here's the shocker. Out of that one in five girls, well over 80% knew their assaulter. Mm -hmm. Okay? Most of these sexual assaults are not a stranger. And so that's why I, as as a martial arts teacher, do not like the term stranger danger with our kids. Because that means everybody we know is good. And the thing is, not everybody we know is good. Most people are good. And you can have that conversation with your kids. Most people are good. But some people are broken. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong. And they could do bad things. 
So just because you know somebody doesn't mean they're safe. And I will just give the example. One of my dearest friends was raped in her 20s by her best friend, by her mm-hmm. best friend. And mm-hmm. I mean, that that is the reality. We, it, important why we don't just talk about stranger danger. It's most people, 80% of assault victims, sexual assault victims, knew their assailant. So we're going to come back on this topic talking about healing. I know we've got a lot of questions coming in. We'll take those in a moment. one 914 9149 is the number. If you have a question, uh, don't go away because this is an episode you need to share with someone. Catch the podcast, relevantradio.com forward slash trending. Take some notes for having these conversations. But gentlemen, parents, we really need to step up and have this be an ongoing and frequent conversation conversation with children and those we love. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. So a report came out a couple weeks ago from the CDC reporting that one in five girls. This is astounding. These are the girls we know. One in five girls experience sexual violence in the last year. We've been talking about what to do to prevent that sexual violence. It's so important. It's our weekly gentleman's hour here on Trending. Uh, These are things that we can all do, but especially talk about how men, fathers, talking to your daughters, your sisters, because sexual violence is so prevalent in our culture. 80% of sexual assault victims knew their assailant. We're not just talking about strangers. I shared one of my dearest friends was raped by her best friend. Never saw it coming. Never saw the danger there. Uh, and so we need to be teaching healthy boundaries, relationships, and um, what's safe and unsafe, a situational awareness. We've been talking about a lot of those tips. So please go back, share this episode with a friend, relevantradio.com forward slash trending. Share it with a young woman. Have you know, Sit down, dads. Maybe you're uncomfortable having this conversation. Listen to this episode together and then let it be a catalyst for a conversation this is why this conversation is happening to be a resource to you. Joining me now is Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Ro- Integrity Restored. You can find him at integrityrestored.com. Incredible resources, especially addressing the crisis of sexual addiction in our culture. Jim, we have a number of questions and calls coming in. Um, let's start with Jessica from Texas. Jessica, welcome to Trending. What's your question today? Hello? Jessica. Hi, Jessica. We can hear you. Go ahead and ask your question. Okay. Um, yes. My question is, um, my I had a, my daughter, I just recently found out that she was sexually abused as, as a little girl. And she really was in a situation where she couldn't really do anything. Um, my question is, what can I do now to help her cope with that? Um now as a young teen, she's 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just having a hard time trying to figure out how to help her. Um, she's become rebellious, and I, I just recently found out all these things about two weeks ago. So I, I don't really know what to do. I, I've been calling places to try to get help, but I'm a single parent, and I don't even have the financial means to um, get a therapist, you know, mm-hmm that's going to cost me over 200 bucks an hour. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, thank you for calling and thank you for speaking up to find these resources for your daughter. I know a lot of people are in your same boat, finding out years later about the sexual abuse that their child experienced. So no, 
my heart goes out to to you. Um, and Jim, I'd like to kind of toss this in your direction. I'll throw a couple resources out there as well because that's what we want to talk about. The reality is a lot of girls have these wounds and now it's the question of what do we do to pick the pieces back up and sometimes how to do that um, when there are a lack of financial means to maybe just go and see a therapist. Yep. Uh, and and um, Jessica, first of all, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you and your daughter are going through this. Literally, my heart breaks for both of you. Um, my email is jimo at integrityrestored.com. Uh, Jim O at integrityrestored.com. If you want to shoot me a direct email, uh, I'll be happy to get back in touch with you. The first thing you can do for your daughter um, is love her. Just love her. And, and stress to her again and again and again that in no way was this her fault. In no way. Because even though she shouldn't, she is carrying shame and guilt about this. And she is, uh, in a strange way, like many, most, almost all sexual victims, blaming themselves. So please continue to stress that for her. Um, Timory's going to give some resources. If you shoot me a email, I also will get you uh, some resources. Therapy is expensive, but there are ways that we can find and get you the help you need as a family. Yes. And I'll just throw some resources out there. Um, you can contact your, your diocese that you live in and both the di contact the diocese, but also specifically sometimes Catholic charities, because there can be free, if not inexpensive resources. I know in the diocese, there is I just, in LA. There yes. is. And I know in the diocese that I just moved from, um, they actually had a whole um, slew of religious sisters who provided free counseling. And you could go um, to that specific location just to receive free counseling from the religious sisters. And many of them had backgrounds in psychology and all of these different things. So there are a lot of services there. Um, I know we have um, Bloom for Catholic Women as a resource. We'll include that. Um, Integrity Restore, this is part of what you do in coaching and healing. Uh, they're an integrity restored, but Catholic diocese, Catholic charities are huge. Contacting your parish, sometimes they have um, a counselor on hand or know someone that they can work with. Uh, I know, too, sometimes, you know, we miss that a lot of our priests and religious sisters come from backgrounds of having worked in therapy as well. So that often different people know others. Uh, but getting that therapeutic help is really important. That's an important resource. And talking and working with your daughter to understand the gift of her body and the gift of her sexuality. And again, as Jim emphasized, um, understanding that this wasn't her fault and helping her work through what she may belie believe to be her guilt and her shame and taking that to our Lord. And God, abounding in grace, has the mercy to heal these horrible and horrific wounds that have occurred. And so helping her to cling to her faith through that healing journey is such an important thing. But there are free or reduced cost resources for counseling. Um, you can even, I've known people who have done this, if you go to catholictherapist.com, um, mm -hmm. there are many incredible therapists who I know they have this very high price for therapy, but you can actually ask them, look, I don't have the financial means. Do you 
think you might be able to give a reduced rate for therapy for my daughter? Or do you know someone who can? And often our Catholic therapists have resources up their sleeves where they can help with information. And I've known some Catholic therapists to say, sure, you know, what what would this, you know, be worth to you that you could afford? And they're willing to do it as a ministry for what you are able to give. So those are some resources. I think just one of the challenges, I know a lot of our Catholic therapists are very overbooked right mm-hmm. now. And so we have to just keep reaching out to find one who is available. Uh, thank you for that question. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Conversations stemmed from the fact that the CDC has reported that one in five teenage girls have experienced some form of sexual assault in the last year. Uh, Jim, I just wanted to bounce this in your direction. We have another question, but first, um, are there any other resources you wanted to go into with regard to healing for people? Yeah, and before we do, I just wanted to make everybody aware of something. The fastest growing sexual abuse in the United States category of sexual abuse is child on child. Mm. So you need to be talking to the young people in your life, particularly our daughters, um, not just about the dangers of adults. And I think as adults, sometimes that's where we put sexual assault. It's an adult touching a child. But the fast, according to children's hospitals, Uh, The data says the fastest growing category is child-on-child sexual abuse because they're seeing this stuff in pornography and then they're acting it out on each other in real life. And just because it's two kids doesn't mean that the wounds aren't just as deep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And actually, go ahead. Sorry. I I just wanted to mention that, Tim Marie, Mm -hmm. um, because that's important for our our parents and our our uncles and, and aunts that are listening to know that. I think this is a really important note, and I'm so glad you brought it up because the Holy Spirit's working because this brings us to Charlotte from Milwaukee. Charlotte from Milwaukee is on the line and has a question specifically actually related to this. Charlotte, welcome to Trending. What's your question today? Thank you. You guys touched on a lot of the things that I wanted to talk about. There's two things that I was um, I was young when uh, the person who touched me the wrong way, I say the wrong way because it was the wrong way, they were 13 years old and I was probably eight. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really feel like we need more teaching. You're, you said to the girls, but I'm saying to the boys, knowing what to do with their body when it feels that way and what they need to, you know, not do and things like what they're, they're doing with their body. It's, you know, it, it's not appropriate. You know what I mean? And they mm-hmm. need to learn more of that. And then there's one more thing that you guys touched on. But I wanted to say, as young children, and this is a parent thing, a grown-up thing, we are teaching our kids to be kind to everyone. You know what I mean? We're allowing, we're, we're saying, go hug them, go kiss them, go sit mm-hmm, on their lap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And a, a child is like, that. they have that instinct that you talk about, but then it's been broken when you have a grown-up mm-hmm. saying, you're being sassy, go sit next to them or go, you know, sit on their lap or whatever. So I think we all need some training, not just, you know, girls, but a lot of us need some training and and especially our boys. If we can have something in our schools that will help our boys to learn about their bodies more, maybe they can have some more self-control. Charlotte, thank you so much for your call because you raised a number of really important 
um, points. I want to start with just your initial you know, issue of like boys needing to learn about themselves and their bodies so that they're not touching other girls so that what happened to you, Charlotte, I'm so sorry that happened. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't continue to be a pattern that happens with our boys, especially in a culture where they're discovering their bodies, they're having these new feelings and experiences in their bodies, and they're seeing porn or maybe they look it up online and that's what introduces them. Um, so the question is, you know, what resources are there for boys today as they're discovering themselves? Well, I think the main resource is a parent, right? And the parent having these conversations where the door is open. There's this book by Kena Vox. I'm going to link to it on social media as well as the episode notes. It's tips for talking to your kids about sex. And it's not just male-female engagement, but the bodily development and changes that occur um, that put boys at risk of masturbation as well as young girls. I think that's a really helpful tool um, for having the talk that needs to occur regularly as a frequent conversation, not the talk. And then I've always admired Jim, um, Mark Houck from the King's Men. Um, Mark Houck, who was arrested by the FBI, his house was bombarded. We talked to him last week on the show. Um, the work I've done with him in the past actually specifically had to do with talking to um, young boys about um, their bodies and their bodies as they're changing. And he talked about how important it is for young boys to understand when things are occurring, when they're having a bodily arousal for the first time that is surprising that they know um, that they can go to the parent and say, hey, this is happening. Or maybe you as a parent are aware, you notice it's happening. There's behavior on boys that points to it. And you can say, hey, you know what's happening right now? You're just like your dad and helping boys to understand that this is a part of being male and that how to properly interact with their bodies in that respect. Jim, can you comment? Yeah, I have two things I want to say. I want to add another resource. Uh, it's a great book. It's on our website, integrityrestored.com. Uh, DJ Uniman wrote it. It's called um, Plunging Pornography, a Catholic bathroom book for teens. And it really should be a part of every parent's repertoire. That's number one. Uh, the second thing is I, I tell this to teen boys, uh, and they always laugh, and, and I tell it to adult men, and they always look at the floor. And and that is, just because you have an erection doesn't mean you have to do anything with it. It is a natural biological function. It doesn't even mean you are necessarily aroused. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. The body needs blood flow. That part of the body needs blood flow. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Actually, thank God for it. Everything's working great and move on. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to do. Yeah. And, and, and the teen boys laugh because they deal with it much more as we get older. It's much less. But it happens to guys. And sometimes you don't even know why. And that's okay. Don't pay attention to it. Move on. Doesn't mean you have to do anything with it. I think that's an important conversation for parents to have with their boys. These are some great resources. We're posting links on social media, specifically in the episode notes for today's show. You can grab all those links and resources. They're right there, relevantradio.com forward slash trending. They'll be there later this evening at the end of the show. Um, Please share this episode with a friend. We're going to come back to talk about a difficult topic, um, why straight men are starting to look at gay porn. I really think this is related to this whole conversation we're having today. So little ears warning. We'll be right back here on Trending.
listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Wow, this seems to be a longer form conversation, all of what we're discussing today, but I want to dovetail into something we're going to really just touch the surface on today, and we'll discuss further in the near future with Jim and some of our therapists here on Trending. But there's this extreme jump that's happening in our culture that is baffling for those who have experienced it. Um, Some are in denial that it could ever happen to them. Um, And others are just sitting here saying like, yeah, that makes sense. And this is it. A little ears warning. Why are straight men starting to look at gay porn? Yet they're not gay or maybe suddenly they're questioning whether or not they are. Or they're trying things out and experimenting. Well, joining me now to discuss is Jim O'Day, the executive director of Integrity Restored. I cannot say this website enough. If you've not looked at their work, if you don't have it as a resource saved, please go save it. IntegrityRestored.com. Jim, I saw one study and there's a lot of, there's a lack of data out there, but as early as 2016, so we're looking seven years ago and pornography has gotten much worse since then. There's a report published in the Archives of Sexual Behavior that said one in five straight men look at gay pornography. I believe it may be even higher than that. Uh, You could speak more to this issue, but why is it that straight men are turning to gay porn and how do we make sense of this and come out of that? So I think, number one, to agree with you, I think the number is probably higher today, um, just based upon my work and the conversations I've had with people. I think there's two primary reasons. This is just my personal opinion. I've been doing this work for eight years. The first is how our brain works. Not just sexually. Our brain is always looking for something novel. That's why social media took off. That's why online gaming takes Mm -hmm. off. It's always giving the brain something new. So even in the area of human sexuality, our brain is always looking for something novel. And so when you're consistently watching pornography, you're going to go down what I call the continuum. And that continuum is going to start out pretty vanilla and and usually end up in some places that you really are shocked. 64% of self-described pornography addicts, 64% have said they now look at things that once revolted or disgusted them Wow! to get the same level of arousal. So number one, we have to understand the brain science, right? And there is a science to how the brain's responding to these images. That's number one. Number two, I think, is a cultural problem, a societal problem. We live in a world today that whether we like it or not, ladies and gentlemen, is constantly beating us about the head that not only gender is fluid, but certainly our our sexuality is fluid. Mm -hmm. And that's the universe we live in. And so even straight guys are hearing this message and the brain is looking for something new and they're saying, well, it's not so bad. I'm not gay. It's just, you know, I need something new to turn me on. It's, it's a fluid thing. So that kind of constant messaging 
the fact that the brain always wants something new, this doesn't surprise me at all, Tim. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, tying it back into that whole dopamine response. Okay, you get used to something, your dopamine hit occurs, and then we ask, please, may I have more? This is part of the reason why people get into overeating and sometimes BCL, or sorry, not BCL, is another topic that ties into this, but obesity is what <laughs> wow, I meant to refer to. Wow, that's But that is how extreme it goes. Coming back to food, though, um, often people will say, okay, you know, I felt really good because I had this food. The dopamine hit occurs. Well, I want to feel even better. So I'm going to have something more. And this isn't going to satiate me. So I keep going and going and going. That's how it works even more so with this great gift of sexual intimacy. When we take it out of the proper context and we start exposing ourselves over and over again to these awesome chemical cocktails that are occurring in our heads because we're looking at the pornography. Well, boom, next thing you know, we'll get more and more extreme things. And this is why one of the fastest growing areas of pornography today is child pornography because it's not just that people are turning to gay porn it's that they're looking at things like you said that revolt and disgust them that they know is wrong but that dopamine need is so profound in the body when you start to turn um, to that coping mechanism of porn to feel good and and here's why it becomes uncontrollable because when you're viewing online adult content you're viewing hundreds and hundreds of images high speed, boom, 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 boom. And the brain says, whoa, hold on, too much dopamine. So it starts shutting off dopamine receptors, Tim. Mm -hmm. And those dopamine receptors, once they're shut off, in order to get that same level of feeling, you have to watch more or something harder. So you're either gonna spend more hours doing it which for some people doesn't work out. For many of the people I talk to, it does. They, some of them spend up to eight hours a day watching. It's wild. Um, but, but if you can't devote more time to it, the brain still wants it. So you're going to keep looking for something more and more extreme. Mm -hmm. And even as a 100% as a heterosexual middle-aged man, that could bring you to the dark place of homosexual porn and absolutely rock your world. And I think that this is where resources such as doing a dopamine detox, seeking out help, integrityrestored.com is that place of help, helping to restore the brokenness of when sexual integrity has been damaged. Uh, and I know there are a lot of great Catholic therapists out there. You can check out catholictherapist.com. Um, Jim, I know you and I did an episode a couple weeks ago uh, encouraging people going into Lent to do a dopamine detox. And this is one of the specific reasons why we talked about dopamine detox, um, so that we can help reorient and reset when there are a lot of bad habits, whether it just be overusing your phone or going from porn to more even extreme types of erotic porn that is so bad for the body, mind, heart, soul. Um, so talk to me uh, briefly, maybe give a Sparks Notes kind of encouragement. I'm going to post the link for that dopamine detox episode, but why you need to do a dopamine detox and other things that can be done for someone who finds themselves looking at more erotic versions of porn when they thought, hey, it just started with these pictures and then boom, here I am looking at gay porn or even child pornography. Mm -hmm. Um so the good news is, and we many people have heard this term, neuroplasticity. Um, the brain is resettable. That's the really good news. The brain is a, a self-healing um, organism in our body, organ. It's incredibly developed and, and smart 
and stupid at the same time. So when we go on a dopamine detox, even if it's just for 30 days or 46 days of Lent or three months, pick the time, your brain will start to reset back to normalized dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, all the endorphins, all those chemical levels will come back to a baseline and you will start to enjoy the good feelings from the normal things in life that you used to enjoy. Going outside for a walk, sitting with someone you love and talking and watching the sunset, having a, 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 an intimate conversation, listening to music, dancing by yourself, singing in the shower, all those things that brought you those little dopamine hits throughout the day that we need, when they didn't become enough, it was because your body was addicted. Mm. And that dopamine fast is going to bring you back to baseline. Jim, thank you so much for helping to give the candid truth of the challenges that are occurring with regard to our sexual integrity and healing those wounds to go from disorientation to proper orientation. We need God. We need truth. And we can't have truth without God. And that's what I love about Integrity Restored is that you have a faith-filled perspective on the crises of the culture, but you bring sound science, medical data, um, sociological data into what is happening today. Check Jim and his great work out at integrityrestored.com. Please go and grab this episode, share it with a friend. These are important topics we discussed today, and we need to help heal the wounds in our culture. And this is a start. So relevantradio.com forward slash trending to catch this episode, listen, share, and grab those resources we mentioned. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, by the way, Nir Isle, he's the author of the best-selling book, Indistractable, is going to join us Thursday on Trending. We're going to talk about how distraction gets in the way of our relationships and what we can do about it from focusing, from work, from home activities, and our family. So join me, 6 p.m. Central, on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.